really, really simple story. But it kind of messes me up this morning. It kind of messes me up because if you didn't catch it, the tractor is the church. And it is meant to be the most generous and life-giving organization, group of people on the face of this planet. And for the longest time, we've been content with pushing it. This morning, folks, I, so I was sitting up here in, in, in prayer and in worship, I've got a message prepared for you, but I don't think it's the one I'm supposed to preach today. Because I know that outside of what I have to say, the Holy Spirit speaks better. And I could come up to you, I could come with the most well-crafted speech. I could come up with the best illustrations. I don't want to say any of that this morning. I just want him. Let's pray. God, I come before you as a man who's broken, as a man who's broken for your church. Because God, when I read, when I read your word, I see what it can do. I've seen who we can be. And God, I don't want anything else but that. So Lord, would you take these next couple of moments here together? God, I have no clue what you want me to say. But I do know that your word says that you will be with us. And that you'll give us words to say. And give a reason for the hope that we have. God, I love you so much. And I love your church. And I thank you for what it can be. And I thank you for believing in us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I've been thinking a lot about this. I've been thinking about the church. And I've been praying for the church. And, and as, as I'm watching, as I watch this video, and I've, I've played this before for you guys, and, and it's been a while, um, but there's a, there's a missing element 
that happens when, when we try to move the church forward on our own. The missing element within that is that we do things out of strategy. We do things out of skill. We do things out of what we think we ought to do. And we forget that the church is only The church is only a life-giving and generous group of people when it is filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And and we see see several moments in Scripture, and as as we've been in this this We Fit series, I've been looking at at Simon Peter, and, and, and the moment that happens, the moment that changes Simon Peter is the moment when he finally stops trying to mold Jesus into his plan and his image and he actually surrenders himself and does the thing that Jesus asks him to do. In Acts chapter 1, one of Jesus' final instructions to the disciples is wait. Just wait. Wait for the gift that my Father promised you. Wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm leaving I'm leaving, but I'm sending the Comforter. I'm sending the Holy Spirit, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and in all of Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so they finally listened and finally waited. And there's this moment that that happens in in Acts chapter 2, and it's this, this beautiful moment this beautiful moment where, where the disciples, they're, they're, they're together and it's the day of Pentecost and they come together and they're all together in this one place and they're praying. And, and it says that suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind, it came from heaven and it filled the entire house where they were sitting And they saw what seemed to be great tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Then when they heard the sound, the crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all of these men speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius and Asia, Persia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we all hear them declaring, we all hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? What does this mean? It somehow ever made fun of them and say they've just had too much wine. They're just crazy. They're just drunk. And in this moment, we see the, the transformation that happened in the life of Simon Peter as he steps forward and he begins to calmly speak. This is the guy 
This is the guy who jumped out of a boat. This is the guy that, that, that sliced a dude's ear off. This is a guy that every opportunity to do the thing, whatever the thing is first, he was the guy to do it. But there's a different demeanor here in what happens. This isn't Simon Peter flying off the handle. This is Peter the rock filled with the power of the Holy Spirit that steps up and he speaks to the crowd. And it's almost like he says, why are you amazed by this? It says, Peter stood up with the 11 and raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I'm about to say. These men are not drunk as as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning, but, but no, this is, this is what was talked about. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out of my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Listen, men of Israel, to this. Jesus of Nazareth Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him. As you know, this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw, I saw the Lord always before me because he, is a, because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart will be glad and my tongue rejoice. My body will also live in hope because you will not abandon me to, gra- to the grave nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You fill me with joy in your presence. And he goes on and he shares, this is is not anything foreign. This was the thing that Israel was hoping for. This was the thing that God promised to exalt Jesus to his right hand, to be, received, to be received by the Father and for this Holy Spirit to be poured out. And this is one of those subjects in the church that we've really shied away from because we've gone to like two extremes here. Either we go to the really fanatical side or we go to the side where we're like, we just don't even want to talk about him. And unfortunately, we've kind of erred a little bit more on the side of, we just don't want to talk about the Holy Spirit. But church, in order for us to actually be the living, breathing church that God has called us to be, we need actually to have the breath of God within us. 
you know, the, the things that I was going to tell you today, the things that I had prepared and I had written down were these. We, we talked about the, the parameters of the church, that, that the foundation, in order for us to find our fit, in order for us to find out, figure out what it is that we're supposed to do and what it is we're supposed to be, this is still relevant. We need to love God. We need to know him. We need to, to personally know him. He needs to be so deeply and intimately involved in our life that it changes everything. We've got to love people. We've got to love people. If, if, if God loved his world so much and he loved the people so much that he created in his image that he would actually step in to that creation in order to make a way for us to be in right relationship with him. If, if God loves people, I want to love people too. One of the other sides of that is we have to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to. We can't go on following Jesus as if nothing ever happened. We have to be transformed. As I was praying about this this morning, I was brought to, to Romans chapter 12, where the Apostle Paul writes, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be renewed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind in Christ Jesus you either conform or you're transformed. It's, there's no middle ground in that because apathy, doing absolutely nothing, is a form of conformity. We are, either, we are either allowing ourselves to be transformed by the living Spirit of God or we're conforming to the pattern of the world. There really is no middle ground in there this morning. Miss Bailey was reading from, from Hebrews uh, this morning, Hebrews 12, let us throw off everything that hinders, the sin that so easily entangles. Let's throw it off, get rid of it. It has no value. So if I said it once in the series, I'll say it again, we simply can't afford to do anything but these things as the church if we're going to be a life-giving and generous community. If we're going to find our fit together, we have to, we have to, it's not optional, we have to be transformed by Jesus. We have to be transformed. And it can only happen when we allow the Holy Spirit into our lives to guide us, to transform us. And we see that happened here in Simon Peter. Because this response is not a fly-off-the-handle response. This response is very thoughtful. This is uncharacteristic. This is Peter filled with the Holy Spirit saying, hey, what you think is kind of crazy here, what seems ridiculous, this is actually the thing that God promised that he would do. And he's just fulfilling, he's fulfilling that.
And there's this thing that happens. There's, there's this thing that happens as, as, uh, as he finishes sharing this. And this is the thing that happens when you, when you live transformed. When you, when you walk in front of family and friends, and I'm not talking about in a showy way. I'm talking when you live a life that is filled with the Holy Spirit, that is transformed by Jesus Christ. When you walk in front of people who know you, your family, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, there's going to be a notice that something is different. There's going to be an unusual difference that will be noticed. I still remember the day that my dad gave his life to Christ. I was like three, but it was so vivid in my mind. This moment of him coming home and sharing with my mom, hey, Cindy, I've given my life to Jesus and things are gonna change. And I remember her being so angry and I remember her just wailing on his chest saying, no, no, why would you do that? Because my only experience with people in the church and Christians has been negative. It's been hypocritical. It's been hurtful. It's been full of gossip and dissension. It's been full of all kinds of evil things. Why would you throw yourself into that? I just remember him standing there and taking it. He said, but it's going to make me a better man. You just watch. It's going to make me a better father. When I'm trying to be like Jesus to our kids, it's going to make me a better man. It's going to make me a better father. And I watched my father transform. I was about three years old. I remember it so vividly. Because when you see a transformed life, there's something that's different about it. And this crowd that, that heard Peter's words, it says they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? What do we do with this now? Where do we go from here? And Peter replied, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promises for you and your children. And for who all who are far off. For all whom the Lord, our God, will call. And with any, many other words... He warned them and pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000. One moment of transformation translated into 3,000 disciples. Here's the thing. Peter could have gotten a huddle of people together because he had been with Jesus and people had seen him. 
He could have huddled some people together and said, hey, okay, hey guys, look, we're gonna get together and we're gonna do this thing because I was with Jesus and I'm gonna go ahead and lead this thing because I was with Jesus and then I'm gonna tell you these things and, and then you listen to me. No. He, he could have he done that and he could have built this group around himself and we wouldn't be talking about it today. But he took a step back from his agenda. He took a step back from trying to mold the Jesus experience around himself. And he waited. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he was transformed. And then, and then, he started making disciples. That's the other side here, folks. Those are our borders. Those are our parameters. This is our mission as the church. Love God, love people, be transformed by the Holy Spirit, and make disciples. Is our reality is that we can't make disciples unless we're actually a disciple of Jesus. And we can't, we can't teach something that we're not being transformed by. And I think the only reason that this, that this happened the way that it did we, was because it happened in the way that God had set out for it to happen. This is how it looks to be the church. We've got to love God. We've got to love people. We've got to be transformed. We've got to make disciples. Did you know, kind of like transformation, you know, you're either transforming or you're conforming, kind of like with, with being, with being a, a disciple maker, you're all making disciples of someone or something. It's a true story. We are all making disciples of someone or something. I tell this to our teens all the time. You never know the power of the influence that you have. There are people who are watching you as they know that you identify yourself with Jesus. There are people who are watching you and they are taking their cues from you about what it means to follow Jesus based on the way that you live and the way that you treat people and the words that you say and the attitudes that you have. There are people around us that are watching us, our neighbors, family, friends, co-workers, you name it, people on the street. Some of you will go out to eat after church here today. Your wait staff will see you dressed up. Oh, I know they went to church today. What do you communicate? What type of disciples are made? You know, because sometimes we, we make disciples of, of apathy and indifference. There are times we make, we make disciples of, of idolatry. There, there are times that we, we make disciples of, of anger. We're all making disciples of something or someone, and we have to choose to make disciples disciples of Jesus Christ. Friends, 
we simply can't afford to do anything else. We, we simply can't. There's an, there's an urgency. There's an urgency to these words. And here's the thing, guys. Here's, here's the, the thing that I want to make sure. I, I've got to make sure of this in my own life. And, and, and my prayer is that you make sure of this in your own as well. That the things that I do in the name of Jesus are actually the things that he wants me to do. Because I don't want to stand in front of him one day and say, Lord, in your name I preached and I taught and I led groups and I had some youth groups and I did good things and I went on missions trips and all that jazz and I don't want to stand in front of him one day and say, I'm sorry, I don't know you. Because I want to be about the things that he wants us to be about. And we can't afford to do anything less. Now here's the good news. You know, the gospel literally means good news. And the good news isn't good news unless it's good news. The good news for us today is this. You take a guy like Simon Peter. You look through the rest of Scripture. God constantly chooses and uses the people who are underqualified. They are the least likely to succeed. They're the people with impediments. They're the people with problems. There are people with hurdles. There are people who are broken. There are all kinds of people from all different places, from all different experiences, and yet, and yet, when these people simply say yes to God, there is great transformation that happens. And we are talking about them today because they actually did the thing that God directed them to do. So folks, at the end of the day here, the thing that I hope you walk away from this morning is not some flowery message or that anything was said well I hope that you walk away from here this morning with a desire to be transformed by the Holy Spirit of God, to be filled with Him so much so that you don't want to do anything else but follow His leading. You don't want to do anything else but love God. You don't want to do anything else but love people. You don't want to do anything else but make disciples. And you don't want to do anything else on a daily basis than be transformed by Him and be renewed by Him. Friends, I believe that's what God wanted me to say to you this morning.
because it's time that we, we stop being about the other things. Those other things are good. They're, you know, but, but let's, let's make who we are and what we're about about the things that actually matter. Having a love for God and a love for people that we're allowing ourselves to be transformed and that we are making disciples of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, the first thing that I, I need to do here is apologize. God, there are things that we allow to distract us and that they take away from the thing that you've called us to. And I don't know what you want to do with all of this today. But I do know this. I know that your word is living and active, and I know that it's sharp. I know that it pierces deep. Holy Spirit, forgive us for the times that we ignore you. Forgive us for the times where we ignore your leading for carefully laid plans. Forgive us for our insensitivity to where you've wanted to lead us and how you've wanted to lead us. Forgive us for making all of this about us. Lord, from this day forward, as the church, as your church, God, may we not be preoccupied with anything, with anything else other than things that put us in a place where we love you and we get to show a love for people. We're being transformed by you and that we're making disciples of yours. God, we pray these things and we thank you. We thank you that you want to abide in us and abide with us We pray these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to invite the worship team up to lead us in a closing song, and maybe, maybe there's some time that we need to take. I know we're going to be ending a couple of minutes early here, but maybe there's some time that we need to take around some altars. Maybe there's some time that we need to take together to pray as the church, I would encourage you to do that and invite you to stand with me as, uh, as we sing this closing song. And if, that's, if you need to, to deal with some of these things, please come up here. Let's pray together. Let's do this. Let's be the church.